Monday, March 27th. Welcome to SMQB's episode 108. All of our episodes are available on Spotify, Apple Pod, and YouTube. We're missing we're missing Bison. He's in trial. We're missing House. We're missing House. He's in Spain fighting for independence for Catalonia. Catalonia. (laughs) Making uh, some Spanish cuisine. Yeah. Right, so we'll, his idea of fighting for independence is drinking Tempranillo and eating paella yeah, on the shores of uh, Barcelona. He's, he's, too, he's doing his part. He's doing his part. It, it did look like delicious paella, though. Yeah. I, say, I don't, don't know. Like, is that seafood? Or I, it's just suspicious it can be, stuff in there. Yeah, you know, we. I just I was just at a paella party, and there were three different paellas made. One was vegetarian, one was seafood, and the other one was chicken and chorizo. Yeah. So yeah, it could be, it could Otherwise, be all kinds of meat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure so, we'll get a recap. Well, what we do have is a final four, fellas. Hell first, do we ever? First time since is that what you call 19, it? First time since 1979 when seeding began that there's no one, two, or three seed in the final four. What a what a shit show, huh? I, l- let me First time you. since 1970, there's three teams that have never been to the Final Four. First Correct. of all, this is the reason Nace isn't on this pod is because he's just bathing in his wet dream that he's having over all of these non-blue blood schools being in the Final Four. Um, but you know, it's funny. Like we all, That's, you know, I'm having a hard time getting that image out of my head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bison bathing. Bison bathing <laughs> in, in his dream. wet dream. He's loving it. I mean, the only thing better could be that Boston College is in the final four. Yeah, right, right. But I feel like there's like disappointment. Isn't this what everyone wants? FAU, Miami, come on, San Diego State. I'm happy as a clam. Yeah. Come on. No. (laughs) No. The (laughs) The blue blood UNC fan, not happy. But I mean, just, I'm, I'm, I'm. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm ecstatic that Duke is not in the Final Four. That's, that's the goal. After Carolina is either eliminated or doesn't make the tournament, is ABD. So we got that. Uh, but uh, beyond the poor that, guy, the poor guy picked a second favorite team after that all happened, and then they spit the bit. That's the real problem. Right. <laughs> well, right. let's go. Let's go, Pope. We'll go right into that in the South. After Alabama shocked the world by losing to San Diego State, San Diego State just squeaked by Creighton. Talk about that. Yeah, if that's what you want to call it. So my uh, screen uh, shot for you, uh, Craigie, out there and all the other Creighton fans um, is the the final play of the game. Uh, The game was tied. Uh, San Diego State had the ball. Uh, they have like 13 seconds on the clock. They worked it. I thought they worked it too too uh, too long, but they finally started moving. And um, their uh, point guard Trammel uh, went up in the air. And uh, no question, because uh, I even have a little arrow for you guys. 
that Nemhard uh, from Creighton did contact him uh, and has his left hand on on his waist. Uh, and you can tell in the video that he definitely pushed him. Um, and yeah, he had know, a handful of shirt too. Whether that caused uh, the 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 shot to be short, uh, you know, Barkley was adamant. He said it didn't affect the shot. You could tell by the way the ball had left his hand almost before you know the the major contact was made that it was going to be short. Um, and Barkley didn't like it. Well, the end result was uh, there was a foul. There was no time on the clock, uh, and. Uh, Trammell missed the first free throw and uh, made the second one. So, well, actually, there was 1.2 seconds because yep. Yep. we had that entire controversy over when did the clock start with a right. stopwatch and all that. But the the main question was uh, was that a legit foul? And I I guess I come down on a little bit between Barkley and Kenny on that. I I, I do think it was a foul. Uh, as as you would call a foul, but I think in light of the way that the game had been officiated, um, I could see how Creighton can have a beef because there was a lot more contact on a lot more plays um, that affected shots than this. And how do you make that call to decide the game? Who goes to the final four on the final whistle? Uh, typically, you see the refs swallow their whistles uh, on a play like that. And so um, foul's a foul. But in the context, I think it was uh, probably not the best time to make that call. That was that was what I thought. We'll talk about that in a second. So anyway, uh, San Diego State. Well, let's moves let's, on. let's let's, let's yeah. talk about that just for a second. Right. Milk, what's your take on that? Well, I mean, I mean, what are we? Look, it sucks that it happened at the end of the game, right? But I don't know what what we want. Are we wanting a policy where we don't call fouls in football and basketball, whatever? when the game's on the line or under a certain amount of time, it was a, it was a foul for sure. And I, yeah, I, you can't blame them for calling. You want, you want right. uniformity though. And, it's it's, and by it's the like way, baseball when you have a, a strike zone, that's pretty flexible all game. And then when it matters, the base is loaded two outs in the bottom of the seventh of the world series and they start calling it differently. That's right. what I'm, I'm saying. I agree. But I think also more importantly, and I really believe this and I've watched this, you know, in slow motion over and over. At first I said, oh, that's a stupid foul. He would have missed that shot anyways. I don't think so. Yeah, I, I agree with that, that. That pull and his arm, and you can see it on that picture right there, how tight he's he's really forcefully on him. I think it affected the shot. So if, yep. That, yep. if that's what happened, you absolutely have to call it. Yeah, shot. here's the thing. Here's the thing. There, when you If you've ever shot a floater, it is completely different than a regular shot. Regular shot, you're shooting the ball with a flick of the wrist, you know, pointing your elbow at the hoop. When you shoot a floater, you're just letting go of the ball and you're, the, the momentum of your body is guiding where the ball is going to go. So if somebody alters the momentum of your body, it alters the shot. And I do think it altered the shot. But, 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 but be that as it may, I, you know, our friend Craig isn't making any excuses because he's got a lot of class. And I think the reason he's not is... Creighton couldn't shoot the ball in the ocean for most of that game. Of course, neither could well, San was, Diego State, but geez. Well, that was my my uh, moving on point in, in the uh, analysis of that region is that San Diego State 
uh, was so below the radar from a defensive perspective coming into the tournament. And, uh, you know, I guess the insiders knew they were a great defensive team. But, I mean, look at the look at this, guys. They shut down Alabama. They had Alabama was one of the hotter shooting three point teams coming into the tournament. They shot three for 27, 11 percent in the elite eight game, uh, sweet 16 game. I mean, that you can't you can't recover from that. Brandon Miller, their star and potentially, you know, number two or three pick in the tournament. He shot one for 10 from three and three for 19 from the floor. So Creighton had the same similar issues. They were two for 17 with three pointers, which is so unlike them, by the way, very unlike them, but I mean, very consistent with the way that San Diego state plays. They're an athletic team. They're long. They don't give up, uh, you know, easy points in the paint. They make you kill them from outside, but they're contesting the perimeter. Um, I, I was just, you know, they're, they're one of those teams, uh, uh, they, they just look like they look like a damn NBA team. They got really mature athletes who've been around for four or five years. They play like a team. They play hard. I mean, their bodies flying on every play. It seemed like San Diego State was was every bit of you know a a matchup disaster for Alabama and Creighton that you could have possibly had. So they're moving on. A uh, very unlikely five seed going to the Final Four. Yeah, I will say this. Creighton made the Big East proud, um, but man, did San Diego State shock everybody. Milk. I'm going to move on to the East. No University of Florida, no Florida State representing. Who knew that Boca Raton had a basketball team? Come on now. It's Boca honestly, Del Vista has a basketball team. <laughs> yeah. Del Boca Vista. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Lane Kiffin really put them on the map when he was when he was football coach there. Um, but I mean, if you take a step back and think about this, it's really unbelievable that FAU is in the Final Four. I think this was they got their first tournament win right two weeks ago. Yeah, and now they're in the Final Four. It's unbelievable. And you know, they went into this. You look at their record, right? I mean, they they lost three games all year. Okay. Um, and I think that, you know, the knock on, on them was they didn't play anybody and there's an argument for that, but holy shit, guys, this is a legitimate team that I, I, I shit you not, I think could win it all. I, I I really do. They have some serious talent. Um, John L. Davis, Forrest, Elijah Martin, all these guys. Now they're talking about, oh, they're going to leave, go into the transfer portal, go into big time, big D one schools. Well, they're in one now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, they, that's they, what all big ten, big schools desire to do is go to the final four. Yeah. And and they don't have to they don't they don't have state income tax on their uh NIL. money they're making and in their college. NIL, baby. <laughs> right. I'll tell you what, you're right. FAU better bring their get their wallets out. Uh, they want to keep these guys, but it's been, you know, so I went into the tennis they're they're one of those teams where Every time they play, you're like, okay, well, this is when it's going to end, right? So when you went into the Tennessee game, I thought, okay, first of all, they're going against one of the best defenses in college basketball. And holy crap, what a reversal they put. They played better defense than Tennessee. They outboarded them. I mean, Tennessee was 6 of 23. From you called that one, too. Right, from three-point range. Um, I mean, the the – the inside game of FAU 
um, shocked me. I mean, the, they were dominating, dominating uh, Tennessee uh, in terms of rebounds. Uh, and, and the way they've come back, right? Like they've been down in all these games. They were down at ten, against Tennessee, kind of said, okay, well, here go, here we go. Here comes the, the shift and Tennessee's going to kind of break away. And the mindset, and this is head coaching here, I think, the coaching to keep these guys in it and say, there's this, there is this never quit mentality with them. Um, and, and there you go. They come back and, and, and beat Tennessee. Um, and then I thought, okay, well, I mean, we all love Kansas state, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. All on Kansas state. So much fun. All in that game saying this is when it ends. Right. And, and, you know, destiny, I thought. Yeah. Um, you know, Noel backs, backs it up. I think he had 30 points, right. I don't, but you know, the rest of the team sort of collapsed and, but they, they had a great game plan. They got Keontae Johnson, my former Gator to foul out pretty quickly. I think he only had nine points. And again, they dominated the boards, right. They had, I think they out, it was 44 to 22 in favor of Florida Atlantic. Crazy, crazy stats. Again, though, also down, they're down in the second, second, seven, eight points, something like that. You feel like here goes Kansas state. They're going to break away. They come back. Great defense again. Um, really executing when they got that open shot. Um, it's just, you know, a lot of these teams, when they get into, I don't want to say these are the intangibles, but they get, you're, you're talking about an FAU team in an elite eight game for the first time ever in school history. And they could have very easily have mentally collapsed. And not only did they not, but they came back from down eight points, nine points in all, both of these games against these high power, well-known basketball teams, Tennessee, Kansas state. And they won the game. Um, I think they could totally beat San Diego State, right? We all agree with that. Yeah. Um, well, they sure. the way they score, the way they score, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I can't believe I'm going to say it. I think FAU could be playing for the national championship. In fact, if you ask me who's going to win against FAU, San Diego State, I'm picking FAU and not just out of luck, I think because of talent. I think they're out there. They have better. They have more talent than now. If you get into FAU against UConn, uh, you know, who who does, who does San Diego state have that's going to be able to stop their Russian juggernaut, Vladimir golden. Right. Right. That guy's a force. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've been watching a bad Rocky movie between Tennessee and FAU. Exactly. (laughs) But I mean, he's, he will move you out from under the basket he he is key to them having such a big rebounding advantage, uh, and he's he's actually got a low post game. I mean, uh, I would say of anybody whose stock has been soaring, he's definitely up there for the for this tournament. Yeah, yeah. And, and by the way, where was he? He's a transfer portal, right? I think he was at Minnesota or something like that. Was he? I think so. So you know, here we go with the transfer portals helping some of these teams. Yeah. yeah. Advance. Uh, you know, I just think Florida State was underappreciated. Nobody had seen them really, and they hadn't had much competition. I mean, I don't even know who their three losses were to. Yeah. Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic. Yeah. Uh, this is not a fluke. I mean, they lost. They lost to Ole Miss. Uh, they beat Florida. Oh yeah, I remember that. 
that I think they they said they think they they thought they might become legit at that point. They they were when they beat Florida. Look, they won their. I mean, they they won. What are they? Conference USA. Conference USA, but ironically, they're moving to the American Athletic Conference, the AAC, where uh, Toby's Wave and My Ponies exist right. next year. Yeah. Mm. Look, it really, I mean, they've got some serious talent on that team. Um, they're fun to watch too, man. And they are now. And I'll tell you right now, I don't. You get they're down in the second. I'm not ever giving up on them. Like, yeah. I mean, well, one that, that we have, we can talk about the other uh, Miami Texas game in a second. But that was the theme of three of the four games. The teams that won were down either double digits or high, you know eight or nine points in the second half to uh, what was perceived as superior teams, and they were able to come back and and uh, use the momentum to go all the way. Yeah, that that was surprising in all three games that that happened well pope let's jump there to the midwest how is house's prediction that drake would upset miami holding up not well <laughs> might want to have another rioja well, <laughs> by the way that one. my fau miami final still in play yeah <laughs> of course it is <laughs> still in play. what is it what, what's the interstate is it 95 what connects boca and uh, miami that's right you know 30 minutes 30 minutes apart <laughs> I mean, look, Miami, I, I, I said they would be a tough out. I didn't expect them to go to the Final Four. Uh, but, um, you know, they, they're they such an interesting team. They can beat you so many different ways. Against Houston, they lit it up from three. They're 11 for 25 against Houston from three-point land. Um, but against against Texas, they only shot eight three-pointers, and they were two for eight. But they had 59% field goal percentage because those guys know how to ball. I mean, if you, Isaiah Wong in the second half was unstoppable. He he had NBA moves. He would drive, turn, pivot, go up with guys in his face and, you know, make these little six and eight footers that were so hard. Other teams, for whatever reason, couldn't make. But, you know, Jordan Miller, um, he pitched a, a perfect game. Uh he was seven for seven from the floor and 13 for 13 from the line. First time for 27 points. That's the first time that that has happened since Christian Leitner, 1992 uh, Duke against Kentucky in that famous um, uh, sweet 16 game. So, or elite eight game. Uh, so Miami has some amazing talent, athletic, uh, that's I think that's what that's the theme. And we talk about UConn in a second, but that's the theme of these three teams that were able to come back from. I mean, Miami was down uh, thirteen to Texas. Texas had a wide open three pointer to make it sixteen. I think if that had gone in, maybe some of the punch would have come out of Miami. But you know, they just clawed back. And then I, I made a comment. You know, with about eight minutes left, I said Texas is stagnant. Their offense is, is they're not moving. Uh, and they're in big trouble here. And they were still up by like six or seven points, but they body language was awful. And Miami was, was on a roll. Um, so, uh, you know, good, good, good for Jim Laranega, the longest tenured, uh, ACC coach now with coach K's retirement. Uh, he's really, truly one of the good guys. And yeah, he uh, is. it is, uh, you know, 
knocking off Houston and then knocking off Texas back to back to deny Houston uh, a uh, Final Four with either their home team or Texas, which would have just filled every potential seat there uh, in the in the dome. Um, that's just that's an amazing basketball uh, run by Miami. Yeah, yeah. they're the textbook definition of. I mean, this Miami is why you love this tournament and why these these teams get hot and go on these runs. They, they were an okay team this year during the regular season. I remember a horrible loss they had uh, at the end of February against a, an atrocious Florida state team at home. Um, I think they lost to Duke in the ACC tournament. They did, but they were on a run up until then. They were, they had had some, some, some victories other than that Florida state loss, but um, they're, they've caught fire, Right. And and here you go. Now I think I think they're done. I and we'll let Rooster talk about UConn, but um it's been a hell of a run to the final four for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have to tell you, I'm I don't want to sound like I'm bragging, but uh, I, in my many do it bra- in every one of the my many many brackets. In every one of my my brackets, you should I have, make some you, money this year, Rooster. Yeah, I have UConn in the final four, and in one of them I have it winning it all. And, uh, you know, after, after they pasted Arkansas and the muscle men, I, I said, they're going to steamroll Gonzaga. And I was mocked for that comment. And sure enough, they put an 82 to 54 ass whipping on Gonzaga. And the, in, the, the story of that game is they did so despite the fact that Adama Sanogo was fasting for Ramadan. He hadn't had anything to eat or drink in like 48 hours. And Dan, Dan Hurley said he didn't sleep at all the night before. He was so worried about it. Like he couldn't even take a drink of water during the game. And he still held uh, Timmy to like 12 points. And he dished himself 10, 10 assists and scored 10 points. And then Jordan Hawkins lit it up with 20. And this is a really bal- well-balanced team. That's why they're so good. They They have great guard play. They, have, they can pound it down low. They play good defense, and they can hit the threes. Um, Andre Andre Jackson went 8, 10, and 9. Caravan had 12 points. And then they have this um, this center who's a young guy, Donovan Klinger, Klingen, who's 7-2, and they run these lob plays for him. I mean, it's just a, it's a tough team to defend. It really is. And they've won... I think they've won their games by an average of 22.8 points in this, in this whole March madness. Um, the only time they ever were really challenged was the first half of the Iona game, which was the opener. Um, uh, so I, I think they're going to steamroll through Sofla, who, whoever it is, Miami, Florida Atlantic, and win the whole thing. What do you guys? What do you guys predict is going to happen in the next couple of rounds? Have they been winning too easily? I know that sounds stupid, but I mean, yeah, I mean they haven't been challenged. Uh, what was the Iona score? Right? Well, the, the, I forget what the Iona score out, was. But the, the thing is, what they what's been happening is they have been winning in the second half. So the so they. Games are somewhat close in the first half, so I don't think they're that cocky. I think they, Dan Hurley has to jump on their asses in the locker room at halftime, and then they come out and perform. And Dan Hurley is a fantastic coach. He's not going to yeah, let no them kidding. get big heads. Right. I mean, that's the problem at this point, if there is yeah. one. 
Yeah. I mean, UConn, I looked at their uh, record and, and the flow of it this year. I mean, they were undefeated for, what, 15, 16 games? Yeah, they were ranked two behind Purdue for a long time, and then they hit a Did rough they hit, patch. They hit one at one point, didn't they? Yes, for like for like a week. Yeah, um, and then and then they hit that rough patch. I don't know if yeah. it was because of injuries or just. I think it was that and playing in the Big East. I mean, we had Marquette. Mm-hmm. We had um, um, Xavier, UConn, UConn, Xavier, and um, Creighton all having really good years. So every game was a war. Yeah, um, which I think made them tough by the time yeah. time they got out of it. But they, they they lost the Big East tournament to Marquette by a few points. With with all due respect to uh, San Diego State and Florida Atlantic, because I I am very impressed, I'm very impressed so far with them. I I think Miami and UConn to me that's the national championship game. I think mm-hmm. the winner of that game will win the tournament. Yep, yeah. I I agree. And it's if it's UConn, it will be steamroll number two, no number three against. Uh, Miami, and then number four against Florida Atlantic or San Diego State. Well, you you can mark my words and use them against me next Monday or actually Tuesday, whatever, uh, whenever we do the pod. But uh, Miami is not going to be steamrolled. Well, that's what they said about Gonzaga. I I realize that, (laughs) but they're a different breed uh, than Gonzaga. Um, Gonzaga was a little soft. Uh, Miami is not going to let that happen to them. Hope supporting the ACC. Yeah. Well, let's. No, it's, it's the uh, it's the eye test. That's just where I. That's what I see. Miami. No, is I don't gonna... think. I don't think UConn's just going to win another game by thirty points. It's they're going to be challenged at some point. Who do you think is going to win win it this year, Milk? Who takes the chip? I mean, all signs point to UConn hanging a fifth banner. I mean, I don't. Am I going to say FAU? The U? Oh my gosh. My, <laughs> I'm going to vomit if Miami wins a basketball national championship. You're what? I'm going to vomit. Get your bag ready, Betty. Wow. All right. Is that your the pick, U? Pope? The U will be You've cutting the down U. the nets next Pope's Monday night. Pope's got the U. In, in Houston. All right. All right. All right. You heard it here. Mark you heard it here. The U. <laughs> Holy shit. No way. They're not doing no way. <laughs> I got the U over I do have the U actually over Florida Atlantic. That's that's the game. I think that's the game. I think Florida Atlantic is going to play for the national championship. I would be happy for their coach. I mean, he coached here in Virginia at George Mason for a while, a long time and was, was quite a character. Good guy. Good guy. All the coaches are interesting stories in this yeah. in this whole and you got uh Dutcher or whatever out at San Diego State, who was apprenticed to Steve Fisher for like 25 right, years right. at Michigan and then San Diego State. Yep. Guy from Texas got the full time offer, Milk. He's, yeah. He's no longer interim. No, he deserved it. Yeah, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's a that's a big win for them. Well, well let's let's uh, let's move on to the NBA playoff picture. There's like six games left for most. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and uh, mute and uh, just let me know <laughs> when we're done with that. <laughs> While we're doing that, may, maybe we can discuss the new book out by Kyrie Irving called "How to Take a Playoff Team and Suck the Life Out of It." <laughs> hey, 
We're going to talk about it in another segment, but it's not Kyrie's fault. He's been a model teammate by all accounts. He's something. He's done something to Luca so that Luca no longer loves the game. Well, it's hard to love the game when you're getting your ass kicked by lottery tanking teams. Yeah. Well, um, so the play-in, the play-ins start April 11th, and I guess we go over this again from last year. The way it works is the first six teams in each conference are in, and then. Team seven and eight play each other. The winner becomes the seventh seed. And then team nine and 10 play each other. The winner then plays the loser of the seven, eight for the eight seed. So right now in the West, if the, if the season ended today, in the, uh, Denver, Memphis, the Kings, the Suns, the Clippers, and the Golden State Warriors would be the first six teams in that order. And playing for the seventh seed, seven versus eight, would be the T-Wolves and the Pelicans. Playing for 9-10 would be the Lakers and OKC. And, I mean, I just have to say, Pope, and I know you feel the same way, it's just amazing that the um, that Dallas is not ahead of OKC at this point. No. Absolutely. The talent differential is, yeah, no, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to stomach, especially when they went to the finals last year in the conference finals last what year. Is go- what has happened to them? Why they've lost four in a row. They've lost four in a row. They've lost, they've lost seven of 10. Oh. Uh, you know, they, they've lost in every conceivable way. Um, heartbreaking, you know, last minute shots, uh, stupid end of the uh, game, you know, decision-making um, and and then lack of effort, especially in the beginning of the game, puts them in a hole they can't come back from against lesser uh, opponents. Luca made a statement um, maybe yesterday that he used to play the games with a big smile and love the game, and now he's just miserable and bitching at the refs the whole time. I, th- I don't think he likes Kyrie Irving. We'll go. We're, we're going to take a little deeper dive uh like i said you can dismiss dallas right now they're they are not going to make the playoffs not not unless there's some serious uh change of uh you know approach and mentality and i don't see it happening i mean they they play uh the pacers tonight they play the sixers on wednesday they still have to play the suns again i mean they didn't they didn't beat the teams they had to like the hornets when they could have been gaining in the standing. So they're, they're toast, put a fork in them. All right. What is KD's status? Do you know, is he back? I don't think he's back. Is he? I don't think so either. Uh, I think they're still trying to get him back the final week, but you know, next week is the final week. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're staying in the West for a couple seconds before we go to the East, but, uh, you know, Memphis, I, I thought Sacramento was going to get second seed, but Memphis has gone on a tear. They've won nine of 10. Ja is back now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wouldn't want to play Memphis. Uh, and, you know, Phoenix, the Clips, and the Warriors, who are, even though they're, you know, they're 
five and five the last ten. They're still playing better. Uh, they're all fighting for the four seed. Um, and you know, Denver is uh, they've won three in a row, but they're five and they're just kind of spinning their wheels until the playoff starts. The real action is uh, there's still two games separating the six seed and the eleven seed which is Dallas. So yeah. you still have a lot of jockeying to go in the final seven games. I mean, you're going to have a couple, at least a couple of teams in there with a losing record. And then one maybe at 500. Right. Um, but the answer to the question about KD, according to the Google machine is he's expected to play Wednesday against the T wolves. Okay. I just don't think that's enough time for him to develop a rapport with his new team. And if, but if he had, man, I, I, I would have had them winning the, uh, winning the West now hard to say, really hard to say. Um, the the Clippers could surprise a lot of people if everyone's healthy, but, but Paul George hurt, he's out for the year, right? I think he's out for the year with his knee injury. And who knows whether golden state can ever pull it together and then pull another run like they did last year. Um, in the East, Boston finally looks like they settled down for the two seed. Uh, the big, <laughs> the big matchup, if it, if it, if nothing changes in the next six, six games would be for Cleveland against the Knicks at five. That, the, the, that would be a good series, really good series. I think probably that looks my, like it's going to happen. Yeah. I think the heat's going to come out of the play in. And who else? Maybe maybe the Raptors. Well, you got Hawks, Raptors, and Bulls all within a half game, and they're yep. eight, nine, ten in that order. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Eleven Pacers, they're out. Yeah. Uh, so the East is set. The East is set. So seven is Miami. Eight is Atlanta. Atlanta. Nine is Toronto. Ten Chicago at this point. Yeah, but okay. So the Bucks only have a game. That's as close as I've seen it in a while. The Bucks only have a game and a half on on Boston now for the number yep. one seed. Right. And I know the, aren't the, um, don't they have to play again before the end of the year? Don't they have to play? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Milwaukee and Boston. Yeah. And, and this, and the Sixers have some tough games coming up too, including Denver. Yeah. They play, uh, this week, Milwaukee and Boston. Yeah, Thursday they play. I mean that that could decide the East. Well, who? So, as a non-NBA guy, as I am, who who in the? I mean, to me, it seems like the East is who's going to challenge anyone in the East. It seems very top-heavy with the Bucks and Celtics and Sixers. These are all like, I mean, does Denver scare any of those guys? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, Denver has played better than all but the Bucks and the Celtics for part of this year. Um, they have a better record than the Celtics right now, I think. Well, the Celtics have one no, less Celtics loss. Have, yeah. Celtics have a better record. So, so Milwaukee and the Celtics have a better record than Denver, but I don't think Philadelphia is afraid of Denver at all. No. I mean, I think Embiid eats that guy's lunch. 
there's not really a team in the West that would scare any of the Eastern. What about Memphis? Powers. Well, this a healthy, a healthy Suns that coalesces would scare any team. I just don't see them having enough time to make that happen. Because Aiton can play defense against all these big guys, and then you just have the scoring trio. I don't know. Um, too early to tell. We'll revisit this. We don't need to spend a ton of time on the NBA playoffs right right now. But I do want to. Speaking of the NBA, I would like to pour one out for the captain, Willis Reed. Yeah, this guy is the reason that I'm a Knicks fan. Um, back in 1970, I actually was tall for my age. Unfortunately, I stopped growing at around about that time. <laughs> But I thought I was going to be like a center when I grew up. And I used to wear this little headband and pretend I was Wilt Chamberlain God, and pra- like practice all these sky hooks and everything around the hoop. Listeners, we'll pay good money for a picture of yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. So my dad and I, my dad and I watched this series together. He was a Knicks fan. I was a Lakers fan. And after Willis Reed limped out in, uh, I think it was game, I think he got hurt in game five hurt his thigh so badly that they didn't think he was coming back. They didn't even know whether he was coming back in game six. His teammates had no idea. And apparently, according to Phil Jackson, accordingly, apparently he took like three or four horse shots is what he called him <laughs> in the thigh, <laughs> taped himself up. What year in, is this? 1970. I was, oh, eight, I was eight years old. Any and everything. He comes limping out, and Marv Albert yells out, and here comes Willis. Here comes Willis. The Lakers all looked at him in in shock. The whole place just was in shock. And the guy hits his first two shots. And those are seven rooster. (laughs) Was it? Those yeah. Set out game six. Those are the only two shots he made the whole game. But just his presence and his defense against Wilt made the difference and they won the championship um <clears throat> that year he won the mvp the all-star mvp and the uh playoffs or the championship mvp first person to ever do that and then a, cu- a year or two later i think it was the 72 73 team so a couple years later they had picked up um earl the pearl monroe and john lucas who went on to become a famous magician and won their second and last championship. And um, it was, it was just a fun, fun team. The reason they actually beat the, um, the Lakers in 70 in that game on top of all the drama of Willis Reed coming back was Clyde, the Glide Frazier had a hell of a game and just, you know, he should have been the MVP but they gave it to Reed and he's now the announcer along with Mike, Mike Breen for all Knicks games. And if you want to be entertained, you you should listen to him because he thinks he's a poet. And so he tries to make things rhyme in every sentence. And so, you know, he'll say something and then come up with two more phrases that have to rhyme with what he said. And it can be ridiculous, but it's pretty funny. Anyway, the, the the Knicks celebrated the 50th anniversary of the 1972-73 win recently, and Willis couldn't make it because he was so ill. Um, 
and then died just like I think it was late last week. So let's pour one out for Willis, age 80, the captain of the Knicks. Pour one out. What's amazing about Willis is that uh, they, anytime uh, in the NBA when a player goes out, it looks like some gruesome injury. They can barely walk. They have to be assisted to the locker room. Uh, and then they, you know, miraculously make an appearance either later in that game or earlier than they should. You know, it's always the announcers always call it a Willis Reed moment. Yeah. 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 And, and and I don't I haven't heard of anybody taking horse shots in a long time. So pretty sure they're not Willis Reed moments. Yeah. <laughs> Very highly regulated now. All right. Let's move on to punchable face of the week. Come on, man. And with the local DBC news, Evan Kujay with a triumphant comeback. Morris, but tonight, don't call it a comeback. Mama said, not I'm gonna not Mama said, not Who's got one? Hope. Oh, I've got one. Oh. Kind of dovetails on our NBA discussion about a certain team in Dallas that's more like Rooster. How do you say it? Alice. With no D. <laughs> D stands for Doncic, though, of course, Luca, the face of the franchise. Uh this this punch is uh for a more body of work this year, more so than anything else. Um, it's just been building, and I've been waiting, you know, kind of right for the right moment. But but it's here, uh, and I I really don't put anything uh, on Kyrie as far as causing where they are right now. I think, you know, Luca uh, has a, a maturity problem. He is more so than any other NBA player that I can remember. And and there's been some local sportscasters, uh, credit to Craig Miller of The Ticket, who've done a deep dive into um, complaints that Luca makes on a game basis uh, compared to others that are, you know, like LeBron. So when LeBron played here in the, the game where they overcame a 27-point deficit, uh, he compared Luca's complaints versus LeBron, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it was staggering. It's like Luca had like 27 or 28 times where he was complaining of a no call or something that the ref did or didn't do. And LeBron, I think, was like maybe six or seven. So the perception, you know, that LeBron always whines, you know, he 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 deserves it. But Luca is in a different stratosphere, and when when Luca does that. It detracts from his game. It it distracts him from from the uh, what he needs to be doing. Uh, it it causes him not to be able to get back and play whatever defense he can play, which is another reason I'm punching him because he doesn't care about defense. Uh, he's a liability out on the floor. Um, he's got 15 technicals. He had 16 this morning, but the NBA rescinded the last one they gave him yesterday. Well, 16 technicals gets you an automatic one game suspension which should have been tonight against the Pacers in a game that the Dallas absolutely must win to have any kind of hope. And so Luca, you know, again, very selfish to track to his team um, was going to be suspended, but the NBA, you know, saved him at least for one game. Uh, but it, 
but he had this press conference, Rooster, you were alluding to it, where he said, you know, he wasn't having fun this year. Well, you know, man up, dude. Uh, this is the NBA. It's 82 games. It's a slog. And you need to bring your A game every game. And if you're not having fun, then suck it up and and do something, you know, productive, whether it's on the defensive end or the offensive end or supporting your teammates. Um, he he is he plays with a carefree attitude, which is great. It it'll enables him to make some amazing he's got all the talent in the world, but but this this lack of maturity, um, this uh uh, you know, comp- continue complaining of no calls and and blaming everything on the referees is a recipe for him never reaching his full talent. And if he doesn't do that uh, and he doesn't turn the ship around, then Dallas as a franchise is in a lot of trouble because they have bet the farm on Luca. And you know, players aren't going to come over. Oh, here and, and they Luka. gave up a ton to get Kyrie. They did. They did. They you know, and players aren't going to come to Dallas to play with somebody who's like throwing a temper tantrum every time down the court and is costing the team, uh, you know, the ability to defend or, you know, win some of these games. So I'm punching you, Luca, dude, I love you. And, and, you know, you are a franchise uh, for Dallas, but you've got to do better. If you don't do better, I'm I'm not going to be sorry to see your ass leave. Little love punch for my name is Luca. Milk, do you have anything? I have one if you don't. I, no, I mean, I, I kind of want to maybe punch Lamar Jackson. I'm not really sure. Yeah, he yeah. said he wanted to be traded today, right? Yeah. But allegedly, he said it on March 2nd. He's claiming it was March 2nd. And, I mean, what is all indications? He's What was he offered? Like $200 million? I think he was offered two hundred million if he's still on the team in like twenty twenty six or something. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll just slap him right now. All right, I've yeah, got to work mil- yourself I, up to a punch. I have a milk slap as well. It's not a full punch, but it's a milk slap. Um, you mentioned LeBron Pope. Uh, you know he came back and played yesterday after that foot injury, and what he said was. He had a tendon tear, and his doctor told him that he healed from that injury faster than any other human being in the world could have, which kind of reminded me of Trump's family doctor with the long white hair. (laughs) Who said that? LeBron LeBron said that his doctor said it. And then then it it turns out that the doctor is a podiatrist, not even an MD. And LeBron (laughs) claimed that every other doctor he went to said he'd never come back and that this podiatrist got him back from this tendon tear. So he refers to the guy as the LeBron of doctors, of foot doctors. I mean, mean, what a fucking megalomaniac to talk like that. Come on, man. The fact that Nace just loves this guy really pisses me off. (laughs) So glad you punched him when he's not on the show today. (laughs) Oh, man. So those weren't too bad, but nonetheless, it would be nice to end on a happy note. Who has a lasso?
By the way, real quick, if House was on the program, he would have absolutely punched the officials for the Creighton San Diego State call. One hundred percent. Oh yeah. yeah. He's punched he's punched officials in every single league this year. Football, basketball, NBA. <laughs> that would have been his option. Good lesson for his children. It would have right. been, it's been always the ref's fault. <laughs> it's such a Philly move. Yeah. <laughs> would have been entertaining to hear him uh, have a Spanish punch. That's right. Yes. <laughs> like, you know, some bullfighter he's going to punch or something like that. But uh, so I've got a lasso. I don't know if anybody saw uh, credit to Sports Center last night uh, the story about this um, St. John's College high school coach. Patrick Behan, anybody see that? No. So Patrick uh, is the coach at St. John's, St. John Cadets, and they're in the uh, Washington Catholic Athletic League, um, the WCAC. And uh, he is has been there for a while and is diagnosed in August of 22 with ALS. We know, obviously, how devastating ALS can be. And um he decided that he didn't want to uh, leave coaching, that that was like kind of what he was living for was to continue to coach in his family. So he coached them through the year. And, you know, obviously the uh, horrible disease started to uh, take control physically, mentally. Um, and, and, you know, they showed how uh, he was having uh, mobility issues and, you know, he didn't have much energy and his girlfriend said, you know, sometimes he would come home from practice and he'd go to sleep and then he would wake up the next day in time to just get back up and go to practice. Um, but these guys took him on an amazing ride. Um, they dedicated the season to him, obviously. And this week, uh, their team won uh, the conference title, the Washington Catholic Athletic Conference title. A guy hit a three-pointer with about six seconds left to put him up by two, and then they survived a last-second shot. Um, and so, you know, it was very emotional. Um, he doesn't know if he's going to be here, you know, next year this time. And and uh, the way that he coached those kids and the way they rallied around him, um, you know, it's kind of the essence of what we look for for a, a sports good feel story, as sad as it is. Um, it does show an amazing uh, story of courage and overcoming uh, adversity. So um, lasso this week to uh, Patrick Behan, the head coach uh, with ALS at St. John College High School. Nice. Nice. Milk? nice. Any last thoughts, Milk? Baseball is right around the corner. Uh, look out for our big baseball preview. Coming right. Up. Yes, that's right. We have to have a baseball right. expert. Got to get Bison trial, back though. for that one. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, let's not let's not completely ignore the women's uh, yes. March, March Madness. This is also the first year in a long time that the there are no blue bloods in the uh, in the Elite Eight. No UConn. No Stanford. No Tennessee. I don't think Notre Dame's in there either. But um, watch out for the number one team. Don Staley, our Virginia's own Don Staley, coached South Carolina. These women are the next UConn. They really, I think oh, they're going to yeah. be a dynasty. They're going to be they're a undefeated. dynasty. And they were great last year. I think they won it last year. They're they're a great team, and she is 
In fact, she was being interviewed to coach men's teams and turned it down for a huge contract to stay at South Carolina. She's she's a hell of a coach. So tune in, man. That that that'll be a good game. Love it. When is there? When's the national championship? For, for- uh, oh, I had it right here and I misplaced it. Hold this on. Week? Yeah. Yeah, it's this week. Yeah. Here it is. It might be on Sunday, the game between the final four games. I can't. It's, uh, it's the final four is March 31st, starting Friday. Yeah. So it's and Friday, Sunday, Friday. the 2nd is the championship. Yeah, yeah. Sunday, the 2nd. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Well, it should be a fun final four, guys. Yeah. Yep. Looking forward to it. Hope, hopefully, we'll all be back for episode I mean, 109. This is the best time of the year, right? It's the. Final four, we got everybody thinks they have a chance at baseball, the first pitch of the oh. year. And what's right around the corner? The Masters. <sighs> I'm just going to tell, I'm just going to pre-preview this for you. The Yankees injuries are going to be a, a blessing in disguise. We're going to see some awesome young players come up this year. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. They look good uh, on Saturday, kicking the shit out of the Phillies. Yes. SMQBs are Brian Bandwagon Pope, who hails from Dallas, Texas, and has never met a first-place team that he didn't have a personal connection to. Michael Rooster Phelan, hailing from Richmond, and who roots for teams from New York, or is it Boston? I can't remember which it was. One or the other. Also, Patrick Milk Michler from Tampa Bay, and he is still massively in love with Tom Brady and will never get over his man crush on the GOAT. Toby House Milrod, a long-suffering sports fan, hailing from Philadelphia, whose Eagles team, mm, they're still looking for another quarterback. And I am Chris Bison Nace, hailing from Washington, District of Champions. Thanks for listening.